Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Wednesday, November 24. I'm Tom Tilly, joined by Katrina Blowers for a fascinating briefing today, Katrina. Oh gosh, I love this one. So, did you know that an Australian man could in fact be the person who created Bitcoin? So you're going to show me that Satoshi Nakamoto is you? Yes. Some people will believe, some people won't. And to tell you the truth, I don't really care. But you can say, hand on heart to me, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. I was the main part of it. Other people helped me. Oh, it's so intriguing. So that's the voice of Australian man Craig Wright. Uh, that's him being interviewed on the BBC five years ago. So the name you heard there, Satoshi Nakamoto, is the name of the person or persons that created Bitcoin back in 2008. Now, it's believed that personal person uh, owns one million coins, which is worth around 80 billion Australian dollars or a bit less as it dips today. And Katrina, there's a big fight over that money. Yeah, it's a serious chunk of change. So that court fight is happening in Florida right now. It could reveal whether Craig Wright really is Nakamoto and whether he has to share those coins with the other people he said in that BBC interview helped him. What's interesting about Craig's case is that he's the only one who's actually come out and said, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. So the big question, is Australian Craig Wright the creator of Bitcoin? And what will this Florida court case reveal? That is this episode's briefing right after today's headlines. Religious freedom laws are back on the table. Government MPs have had a mixed reaction to the third draft of religious discrimination legislation, which was released publicly late yesterday. The bill strikes a balance. Would I have wanted some more things in it? Yes. Some of my colleagues would have wanted to have seen some less things in it. We've arrived at a landing that I think satisfies the aspirations of the Australian electorate. That's the Liberal Senator Erica Betts speaking to the ABC. So this bill was a 2019 election promise by Scott Morrison. And this all came out of the same-sex marriage debate where religious communities, particularly Christians, um, felt their freedom to express their beliefs uh, around same-sex marriage uh, and other issues needed legal protection from workplace and state discrimination laws. So the legislation aims to protect Australians who make so-called statements of belief from existing laws against discrimination and also allow religious organisations to prioritise people of the same faith when they're making hiring decisions. Yeah, now previous versions of the legislation, this is the third version, um, so it's obviously pretty controversial, uh, they had a a so-called Falau clause um, related to the Israel Falau Mm. story. Um, Basically, this would have protected employers for getting fired for making statements of belief, but this clause has actually been watered down in the latest version. So this has been long promised by the Prime Minister who will introduce it to Parliament tomorrow. It'll be voted on in the lower house and then sent to a Senate committee before going to a vote in the Senate sometime next year. The federal government has announced plans to set up a $20 million Domestic Family and Sexual Violence Commission. So that commission is designed to help support and monitor the rollout of the decades-long national plan on domestic violence. The government's working on the fifth action plan for when the fourth one ends next year. Yeah, so this announcement of a $20 million commission uh, appears to have trumped the exact same idea by mm. Labor, the ABC's <laughs> reporting. They were set to announce exactly the same thing. So, you know, is that, 
you know, cynical politics or is this wonderful bipartisanship, Katrina, what do you reckon? I don't know. We're Labor consulted before this announcement was rolled out late last night. Uh, let's see whether they're happy about their thunder being stolen. And WA Premier Mark McGowan says threats against him and his family won't change his stance on vaccine mandates. These sorts of threats, intimidation, violence, extremism uh, is dangerous and it's not going to change anything the government does. Yeah, so Tom, this is pretty disturbing. Uh, Police have arrested Mm. two Perth men after they allegedly left messages on McGowan's phone on Saturday threatening to behead the Premier and his family. Uh, Following the charges, McGowan admitted he was even considering moving his family away from where they live. Apparently they live Mm. in quite a well-known address in his electorate south of Perth, so it's no secret where he lives with his family. Yeah, that is absolutely horrific behaviour. Unbelievable. So yeah, this has come about since they announced their vaccine mandate in October, um, which is a pretty strong mandate. It it covers 75% of the state's working population. His personal phone number being leaked there on anti-vaccination messaging groups is kind of a a similar situation that happened to Independent Senator Jackie Lambie. Uh, Her phone number was shared by One Nation's Malcolm Roberts on social media. He's since taken that down but refused to apologise and and Lambie is now calling for a review of all MP safety. Uh, She got a a whole bunch of offensive and threatening messages. This vaccine mandate debate is probably not the right word for it anymore, but it's it's just getting so divisive and so ugly. And really personal, which I think is where the real issue lies. Victorian police have arrested and are questioning a Melbourne Jetstar pilot over the mysterious case of a couple of campers who've been missing since last year. So Russell Hill and Carol Clay were said to be secret lovers and they vanished in March 2020 while camping in a remote part of the Victorian high country. All that was left behind was an empty car and a burned out campsite. So it's left a lot of questions and real misery for their family. Yeah, and so here we are a year and a half later and authorities have revealed they've arrested a 55-year-old man in connection to the case um, and that operation to arrest that man involved helicopters and also a car being impounded for examination. And I hope you like rainy weather, Tom, because we're about to get a whole lot more of it in Eastern Australia. They've uh, officially declared a La Nina for the Eastern Seaboard. It sounds like a fun party, but it's really not. (laughs) Like a Spanish um, kind of summer party. Well, look, (laughs) it's probably great news for firefighters. terrible news for cyclists. Anyway, so La Nina (laughs) happens when there's cooler than average waters on the eastern Pacific Ocean and warmer waters on the west and it basically causes more rainfall which means more floods, uh, even cyclones. Yeah, so New South Wales, uh, central New South Wales is again on flood watch and more rain is expected across Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland after flooding and storms last week. We're just coming out of lockdown. Come on, weather gods. Mm. Like, give us a summer that we can get out of the house and enjoy. What are you talking about? You're in Brisbane. You've had no (laughs) lockdown and perfect weather. (laughs) 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 All right. Just after this message, a little bit more serious and, and absolutely fascinating, our story on who is the founder of Bitcoin and the Florida court case that could reveal it.
is Satoshi Nakamoto. That question of who is behind that pseudonym has been one of the biggest mysteries of the financial world for over a decade. Whoever Nakamoto is, whether it's an individual or a group, they hold the key to a fortune worth around $80 billion and the boasting rights to being the creator of Bitcoin. So a court case happening in Florida right now involves an Aussie guy, Craig Wright, who's claimed for years that Satoshi Nakamoto is him. Also the family of his deceased friend and one-time business partner, David Kleiman, who was suing him to get access to half of that fortune. Kleiman's family say they created Bitcoin together. So Craig Wright, if you've never heard of him, he's a 51-year-old Australian computer scientist. And as you heard earlier, he went on the BBC five years ago claiming he was the primary mastermind behind Bitcoin, but he's never definitively proven it. And in that interview on the BBC, he said he'd never do any more interviews. I'm going to do this once and once only. I'm going to come in front of the camera once and I will never, ever be on a camera ever again for any TV station or any media ever. That's Craig Wright. So who really invented Bitcoin and why hasn't a penny of that huge fortune ever been touched? Paul Vigna covers cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology at the Wall Street Journal. He's been writing about this trial and joins us on The Briefing now. Will this lawsuit finally settle the mystery of who invented Bitcoin? It could. I would love to say that it will, but I can't promise you that it will. But it is interesting in that what you have here are two people who briefly worked together. They knew each other around the time that Bitcoin was created and the years after. They had a brief business partnership in in that time too. One of them died in 2013. And the brother of that man is now saying that the other guy named Craig Wright created Bitcoin along with his brother named Dave Kleiman, and that Craig owes Dave's family half of what they created, half of the, the, the basically the Bitcoin intellectual property, which is, is nothing because it's Bitcoin was released as an open source software project. More importantly, the claim is that Dave and Craig together in the early years of, of Bitcoin's existence, mined a lot of Bitcoin. They created a lot of Bitcoin. The total is about 1 million Bitcoin. So Ira Kleiman, the brother Dave Kleiman, wants half of that. So about 500,000 Bitcoin. So pretty easy to do the math on that. You're talking about basically a $56 billion fortune. Wow. Yeah. So for Ira Kleiman to win this case and, you know, as, as he's arguing, get half of this massive cachet of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. would it need to be true that together they were Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the, the alias of the person or the group of people that created Bitcoin? Yes. I mean, look, essentially what this lawsuit is about is the nature of a business partnership between Craig Wright and Dave Kleiman. But within that is this question of, did they, as part of that partnership, invent Bitcoin and run Bitcoin in the early days of Bitcoin's existence? The really interesting thing is that like, both sides actually wanted to be true that Craig invented Bitcoin. Craig has been claiming it himself, and Ira Kleiman, the, the, from the family of Dave Kleiman, they want it to be true too, because they want to say that Dave and Craig were both involved in it, and because of that, 
Craig owes Dave's estate all this money. Both sides want basically the same thing to be true. You could end up with just multiple different outcomes. One, no evidence could emerge that Dave and Craig worked on Bitcoin together. Two, it could emerge that Dave actually recruited Craig to help him with Bitcoin. I don't, that's increasingly looking less likely, but that that could happen. Three, it could emerge that Craig invented Bitcoin, brought in Dave to help him a little bit, but they had no real partnership on it. Or four, Craig invented Bitcoin, but it had nothing to do with the business partnership between Dave and Craig, so Craig owes Dave nothing. Or five, whether or not Craig invented Bitcoin, Dave and Craig had no actual business partnership, nothing formal, nothing written down. Dave is owed nothing. So that's a lot of outcomes from one case. I'd love you to tell us about Satoshi Nakamoto, though. So for people who've never heard that name, who is it and when did it first emerge? Satoshi Nakamoto is the name of the person. It's a pseudonym. It is a name that the person who created Bitcoin gave themselves. Somebody, it could have been a single person, could have been a group of people, could have been a man, could have been a woman. We don't calling themselves Satoshi Nakamoto on October 31st, 2008, released a nine-page paper describing a new piece of software that he called Bitcoin. A couple of months later, he launched that software. He started running that software. It is an open source kind of software, meaning anybody can take the software and download it and run it. Anybody can also take the software and copy it and tweak it and create their own version of Bitcoin, which is why today you have about 5,000 of these different cryptocurrencies that are all essentially different versions of Bitcoin. Who Satoshi is, though, we know virtually nothing for sure. There is virtually no other information on Satoshi Nakamoto's actual identity. So is it the case that the simplest way to prove who that is would be to see who has access to the one million bitcoins that Nakamoto owns? Yes, uh, that would be sort of the hugest piece of evidence. And the reason why is because the way Bitcoin operates, every Bitcoin in existence is controlled by two keys, essentially. You can think of them as like, they're not physical keys, they're long strings of letters and numbers, but think of them like keys. One key is called a public key. If I wanted to send you Bitcoin, I would see what your public key is, and I would direct my Bitcoin to that public key, and it goes into your wallet. The private key is something that only the holder should have access to. It is a private key. It's the key to my house and my wallet. You know, the, the key to my house in my pocket is the equivalent of it. So whoever holds the private key to those million Bitcoins has a very strong claim to being Satoshi Nakamoto. And this is the one key piece of evidence that Craig Wright has yet to convincingly provide to the world. None of those million Bitcoins have been moved since they were created. Not a single one of them has been moved in 13 years. So whoever holds those keys has either amazing willpower to, mm. to forego cashing in on a $56 billion fortune <laughs> or maybe lost them. So will the climbers, if they are to win this lawsuit, will they have to prove that Wright has access to that key? Yes. And that's really what they want, is they want to prove that Dave and Craig created Bitcoin together and that Craig has those private keys and that Craig legally must turn them over to Dave's family. 
That is what they are trying to prove. That's what they're going to try to get a judgment for. And after they get a judgment for it, they're going to try to actually get it. That's a lot of heavy lifting to go yet. But that is ultimately what they want. Craig has been claiming to have these keys for years and has never produced them. And he has, over the years, given a series of differing explanations for why he has not produced them. I mean, right now they're saying they won't do it until they get a judgment, one way or the other. He's not going to produce them if he doesn't have to, unless he's forced, compelled by the court to do it. He says that he has them, but there are different reasons why he can't produce them. Other people say, you're just lying. <laughs> like you, You're just wow. not producing them because you don't have them, because you're not Satoshi Nakamoto. And it's important to keep in mind, too, like, say I had them, right? And I moved that Bitcoin and I claimed that fortune. You know, you would know very quickly that I do not have any of the biographical information that would support my claim to being Satoshi Nakamoto. All I had were the private keys. I probably stole them or somehow fell into them. Uh, Craig has a lot of the other stuff. He has a lot of sort of the biographical background I think it's pretty clear that he was into it very early. Was it so early that he actually created it or not? I, I don't know. He has some of the biographical details, but he has never produced this one piece of critical real data, which is the private keys. So when will this all end? And is it possible that this trial won't ever get to the bottom of that big question and we won't end up knowing who created Bitcoin? Yeah, it's, it's very possible. The trial should end soon. It was supposed to, originally it was supposed to go on for two or three weeks. And I think it's already gone on that long. So I don't know exactly how much longer it's going to go on. And then you'll have the jury deliberate, obviously. I think it's possible still that we could get a definitive answer who's Satoshi Nakamoto. But I also think it is increasingly possible that we do not get a definitive answer from this trial. Who else Take could it, it be? Who else has laid, laid claim to this identity? No one else has laid claim to the identity. That's what's interesting about Craig's case is that he's the only one who's actually come out and said, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. But a lot of other people have been fought to have been Satoshi Nakamoto. A lot of other cryptographers, software developers. The universe of people that could be Satoshi Nakamoto is probably a little larger than you might think, but it's not that large. I would say at this point that if we do ever find out who Satoshi Nakamoto is, I would not at all be surprised if it's somebody whose name has never been associated mm. with Bitcoin. That was Paul Vigna, who's a journo at the Wall Street Journal, writes on business, crypto, blockchain, technology, etc. Wow, such an amazing story, <laughs> Katrina. I would really love for Craig Wright to just show us the keys. That would be great. It put all, all these questions to bed. Um, I also wonder what it would be like to be on the jury for this trial. Yes, so many people when they get that letter for jury duty just roll their eyes or, you know, think about it with dread that they're going to have to cover some gruesome murder or crime. But this would actually be something super fascinating, although completely mind-bending, Tom, because you'd have to get your head around that whole cryptocurrency landscape. Yeah. Tomorrow on The Briefing, the divisive debate around vaccine mandates. Listener.